I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. You know, the question that I get most often is, Coach Tam, how do I ensure that my book is actually going to be successful, right? Because here's the truth. The biggest fear that every aspiring author has is that they're going to spend all of their time, their money, and their energy into publishing a book that no one will buy, right? And if we're honest, if we don't know the answer to this question, it can stop us from actually putting pen to paper and writing. So if that's you, you definitely want to tune in to this week's episode of Publishing Secrets because in it, I am taking you behind the scenes on one of my masterclasses. Now, the entire workshop is five days where we take aspiring authors through what it takes to write, publish, and profit. But in this session that you're going to hear today, it is the Cliff Notes version where I run through the whole process from beginning to end. I'm telling you, this session is going to pull it all together for you. So make sure that you have a pen and some paper and take some good notes. And that friend that you know that also wants to write the book, make sure they check out this episode too. Enjoy. I want you to guess. Some of you might know the answer to this question already, but not everyone does. How many books do you think the average self-published author sells? The truth is, (laughs) sometimes it's that initial group, family and friends, that buy the books and then sales completely dry up. But here's what we we know from the research is it's generally less than 100 books. So it could range somewhere between that 20, uh, 150 because it's an average. Right? But but think about that. All of the time and energy that you have spent pouring into writing the book, right? All of the mornings that you got up early, you stayed up late, you spent all this time and energy writing the book. Then you got someone to edit it for you. You went back and forth with the editors to make sure that it was something that represented you well. You got a book cover design. You got the interior design. You went through all of these steps. Did you really do all of that to sell less than 100 books? Your answer could be yes, but I think that the truth is that most of us write books with the idea that we're going to impact hundreds, if not thousands, not less than 100 people. Would you agree with that? Is 100 people, like let's say you're at the the top end of that, would you truly be satisfied if only 100 people bought your book in the whole lifetime of the book? 
would you truly be satisfied with that? Because sometimes we say things while, like, well, if one person's life is transformed or is blessed by my book, then I'll be okay. I hear people say things like that. So would you be okay if for the whole lifetime of your book that there were just 100 people that bought your book? I think if we're honest with ourselves, all authors want a bestseller, right? Because it's not, again, it's not just about the money that it generates. It's about the impact that it has. We want the message that God has given us to get into more hands, right? What I want to walk you through is how to beat the odds, to not be that person that for the whole lifetime of their book, barely, if they make it, get to 100 copies. The reason that many self-published authors do not get to their sales goals, do not make it over 100 copies and get into the thousands is because there was no real strategy. Just like what I did, right? I spent all the time and energy on writing the book, but the other components were not there. So I want to walk you through from beginning to end. Here are the things that you need to know and you need to put in place. All right, are we ready? Step number one, choose your path. What do you really want? Be honest with yourself on what you really want. There are three groups of writers, and these are general categories, but there are three groups of writers that I typically encounter. The first one is what I refer to as the hobbyist. They are in love with the idea of writing. They dream about writing. They read about writing. So they are plugged into all these different groups. Sometimes they go to different conferences. They're signed up for all kinds of email letters and email newsletters. And they, they may even listen to podcasts. They're doing all these things, but they're not consistent in writing. They're not consistent in putting themselves out there. It's more interest than it is commitment. And so they really don't 100% yet believe in the potential of what they write and its ability to impact other people. Because if they were truly bought into that, they would put more of themselves into it. So they also don't recognize that writing is impactful writing is a business. That these other components like sales and marketing and managing your mindset those things are, they're not nice to have. You actually have to have them. You've got to decide, is this just going to be a hobby for you? Is this going to be just something that you dabble in here and there? You're going to do a few blog posts here and there. You're going to share the copy of your book with a few people and believe that their lives are going to be impacted in that small circle. Or are you going to choose another path? The second path that I want to talk about is the hustler. So and I always respect a good hustle, and hustle doesn't have to be bad, and hustle is not bad in this context, right? But the hustler is the person that writes and publishes constantly, because if writing and publishing books is going to be your main source of income, that means that you're constantly putting out new content, right? You're constantly giving your audience something to read that is going to be transformative for them. 
So it is not writing a book a year, not on the self-publishing side at least, right? It is consistently putting content out there. And there are some authors that do this really, really well. Like literally every six to eight weeks, worst case scenario, every quarter, they are putting out another book. They have dialed into the needs of their audience. They're constantly putting out content that they are interested in. And so their audience soaks it up. And because they have multiple books out there, they have multiple opportunities for sales. So they have a series of books, and they're not just relying on one book to be that major hit for them to make the income and the impact that they want to reach. So the primary business for the hustler is writing, publishing, and selling books. So you've got to decide, is that the path that you want? If you want to have the impact and the income, it is not a casual approach to writing. It is being very consistent with writing and constantly putting out books that are going to resonate with your audience. So in essence, writing, publishing, and marketing becomes your full-time job. So that's the second path. That's the hustler. The last one is what I call the high-impact entrepreneur. Now, for this person, the book serves a different purpose. It's important but it serves a different purpose. Their primary business is to inspire transformation. So the book is a tool to aid in that process. It's one of the tools that is used. Their primary business is to inspire transformation. And because they really believe in the transformative nature of what they do, then they take it to another level, right? So in addition to the book, they also speak, they coach, they consult. They've taken this book and they've made it the foundation of an enterprise, right? So for them, the book is more of a business card. Here's what I'm about. Here's my overarching message. And if you choose to work with me in a coaching program, this is the person that you're getting. Here are the beliefs that you're going to hear about. If you are booking me as a speaker, here's what you can expect from me. The book is a tool. It's a business card. It is not the sole income generator of the business. And when you think about it, think broader. So come out of author world for just a second. The businesses that you know that are successful, do they have just one product in general? Do most businesses that you know of that are successful, do they have just one product? I would say the answer is no. They have multiple products, right? Now, they're trying to attract the same person. To just use a super basic example, if it's fast food, they want someone who wants to get food fast. But if you went into the restaurant and the only thing on the menu that you had to choose from was one thing, you would feel kind of limited, right? You're like, well, I don't have a whole lot of options here. I'm not sure how valuable coming into this restaurant is for me. The same thing happens for the audience that you want to reach. As powerful as the book is, it can only take them so far. Consider that 
they have more needs than your book can actually address. How do you take that book and make it the foundation for being able to take them to a deeper level, being able to inspire a greater level of transformation? Working with them, either through your speaking, your coaching, your consulting, your workshops, allows them to get your expertise as they go through this process. Because here's the other thing about books. As powerful as they are, the message that you put in it is open to interpretation. Without you being there along the way to lead and guide them, they could go off on a path that actually isn't what you intended. But when they have you to come alongside them, they are able to hear your voice, your insights, your wisdom your words of healing, then you are able to get them to a place that they would not have been able to get to on their own. At the end of the day, that's what I believe is the power of speaking, coaching, and consulting, is the person has somewhere they want to get, and they want to get there so desperately, the problem is they don't know how to get there. And chances are they've read multiple books. When someone truly has a problem, and I same is true for me, I'm not buying one book. I'm trying to buy anything I can get my hands on to solve the problem. But the truth is, sometimes I pour through all those books and I get stuck. And I'm like, well, I don't really understand this. I don't know how this works. And so that's why having coaches is just as valuable for me as being a coach. I have to have people in my life to come along inside and say, hey, here's how you do this, you know, taking you to that next level beyond what you can figure out on your own by reading a book. That is the power that you have. That is the level of transformation that you can create. But you've got to choose. What path are you on? Because the path that you want to put yourself on is going to determine where you focus your time, money, and energy, right? So, for example, if you choose, you know what, I really want to make a business of constantly writing books, then you have to get really, really good at the publishing aspect of it as well as the marketing aspect, right? Because you are basing 100% of your income goals on being able to get books out there. So the basic level of education on those things probably isn't going to be enough to generate the income that you want. Because if I make three or five dollars a book, I need to sell a lot of books, right? So I now have to become an expert at marketing in order to move my book. And I need to be willing to invest in things like ads at a higher level than the $1 or $5 a day to really generate the traffic that I need to my book because the reality is that everyone that sees my book isn't going to buy, right? So if I need, let's say I need 1,000 sales to reach my goal, then I need to send like 5,000 people to my book, right? So that means I need to have really good marketing so that when people land on my page, they're like, yes, I'm compelled, I want to buy it. But I also have to be able to generate that level of traffic, which means that's more than I can do on my own. So I need to set aside money for marketing. Or if I'm going to choose the high-impact entrepreneur path, then that means that, yes, I need to put together a quality book, 
But I also need to make sure that I can use it in such a way that it positions me as an expert on this topic. So it's not just writing any book and just putting information in there. The way that I write the book has to position me as an expert and give the reader a clue of how I can help them. So that what happens is it becomes a value ladder. Let me talk about what a value ladder is. Remember how I talked about how the products that we see in the advertisement, perfect example, Black Friday sale, right? You get the Black Friday flyer for Walmart, Target. They've got all kinds of stuff in there. Here's the reality, because my mom, the majority of her career was in retail. And so I was very up close and personal with things like Black Friday sales and all of those things, right? So one of the things that she taught me is, Pam, it's not about what's in the flyer. That's not really where we make most of our money. What those things are designed to do in the flyer is to get people excited about coming into the store. And that would be true even fast forward to today where a lot of shopping is done online. It's all about creating excitement so that when you look through the flyer, you see something and you're like, oh, I want to get that. And then what happens? You go to the store or you go to the website, and this is even true of in-person stores. Sometimes the thing that you want is like way in the back of the store or on some crazy aisle that you never anticipated it being on. Has anyone other than me ever experienced that? Well, there's a reason for that. There's a strategy for that. Because what the retailer wants you to do is walk around the store. Now, guess for me, what happens when you start walking around the store, right? You've come in for this one specific thing, but maybe you can't find it as easily. Or even if you go right to it, once you're in the store, unless you're really, really determined, what else are you likely to do? You buy other stuff. It happens all the time. I'm going in, I'm just getting this one thing. That's what I'm telling myself all the way there. I'm in the car. All I'm doing is running in and grabbing this one little thing. And lo and behold, you get in the store, you see other stuff. And so, by the way, all that stuff that's at the register is there strategically. <laughs> because even if you somehow made it through the store and you didn't pick anything else up, the statistics show that. Some people, not everyone, but some people are going to pick up something from the little section leading up to the register. Just because you're standing there, you're waiting, you're going to see something like, oh, I need that. And the next thing you know, it's in your cart. They want to get you in there. All right? Same thing is true for your book. That's how I want you to think of it. So I had to take you out. Now I'm going to bring you back in, right? The book is just to get them. It's just to hook them and help them to understand what you're about and what you do. But that value ladder concept says, okay, I may not make a ton of money on this book, but I'm also going to have other things that tie to this book that allow me to earn additional income, right? So I've got the book. Then maybe I have a workshop series that I do online, so that's another income stream. And then from people that attend the workshop and the workshop you know, maybe it's a couple of days and we go really deep into that topic. But the truth is there's only but so much 
that you can really cover in a couple of days. So if someone really, really has deep things that they need to work through, chances are the workshop isn't going to solve all of their problems, right? So I've got the book, I've got the workshop. Now I have this six-week, eight-week coaching program or mentorship program, all right? So all starting from this concept of the book, but I've taken it and I've converted it into something else, right? I've converted it into a workshop series. I've converted it into a coaching program, and there's different types of coaching programs. So maybe one is a group program, and then I have this signature, premier, one-on-one coaching program that's at a higher price point, right? So depending upon the level at which the person wants to invest, I have something for them. And so now I don't have to depend on getting all of my income from the sales of the book because I have other things to offer them. And because we are purpose-driven entrepreneurs, we are not just putting together junk. We're putting together things that we know are going to help them. Choose your path. Which one is it going to be? You need a different skill set depending upon what path you're going to go down. Number two, I won't spend a lot of time here because we have talked about this. You have to nail your niche. You've got to know who your audience is. Nothing works without knowing who your audience is. So you've got to get clarity on the ideal audience, the people that are going to be most interested in your work, and develop an ideal reader persona. So you do your research. You identify the characteristics of the person that will most be interested in your book and your other products and services down the road. You've got to do research for that too, by the way. I've made so many mistakes based on going on what my gut said. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the research to actually validate that the market wants what you think they want. I can tell you that every time I do market research, I only have a percentage of it right. Now, over time, you get better at it. And so you might start out the first time, you might be like, wow, I was way off on what they were looking for. But the more you do it, the better you get. But I always learn something. When I ask those questions to get that feedback, I always learn something I did not know. So do not go based on your gut. Do the research to identify your audience's demographics and psychographics. Okay, number three, going to go a little bit deeper here. Start building an audience. Start building an audience. Do not wait until your book is out to build an audience. You will be disappointed in the results. Not because there are not people that don't want to buy your book. There are people that want to buy your book, but you didn't give them enough time to get on board, right? So you have to actually put in place intentional strategies months before your book launches to build an audience. Let me go through the steps. The first one, decide how you want to show up as an author. What I mean by that is what type of personal brand are you going to have, right? In other words, what do you want your personal brand to be? Is it fun and quirky? Is it serious and soulful? Those are just examples, but how do you want to show up? And what I mean by that is not putting on pretenses, creating a false version of yourself. As a matter of fact, I am 100% against that because there's no way that you will be able to consistently show up that way. And so you don't want to do that, all right? But what I am saying is that 
You need to show up in a way that resonates with your audience and feels authentic to you. So it's about creating an intersection between what your audience wants and what you can provide. You've got to think through what your personal brand is. For example, I have a lot of competitors in fitness, a ton of competitors in fitness. There are big name weight loss fitness centers. There's gyms. There's the boutique type of gyms that are in the neighborhood. There are CrossFit centers. There's burn boot camps. Then there is the one-on-one personal trainer, for example, that works with clients one-on-one. So I had to really think about, okay, Tam, what is your brand and what makes you different from those competitors, right? And at first, when I came in, I knew a little bit about branding, but I didn't fully understand this. I was trying to copy and do what other people were doing. And it's no wonder that I was not successful in doing it and I wasn't consistent in doing it because it wasn't true to me, right? So what I finally learned to do was embrace who I was. I learned to embrace the fact that I grew up in corporate and I fell into fitness based on my story. So I just decided to be tan, right? So it's very professional. It's very business-oriented, which sometimes isn't always there in fitness. It's more about, hey, the weight loss results that you're going to get. And by the way, those are critically important because if I can't deliver the results, none of the rest matters. But the way that I go about doing that is different. So I tend to market to and attract a client that values those things, that really values a professional approach, that you're sitting down with someone who wears a suit rather than a warm-up suit. Also, because faith is very important to me, and I know that it's important to my audience, then I show up from that faith perspective. It's authentic to me, and it connects with my audience. You have to think about what is your brand and make it not a artificial version of yourself, but the best version of yourself. On your best day, how do you want to show up? Not the day that you're cranky and you don't feel like it, but on your best day, how do you want to show up? That's what you need to get clarity on, and that's what you need to give to your audience every single time. Figure out what your brand is because that's part of what makes you different. The next four are what tie into what I call the free method. Let me run through it quickly. The first one is create familiarity. If no one knows who you are, they cannot buy your book. They cannot invest in your other products and services. So you have to figure out where your audience is, and you need to go to where they are. Do not expect them to come to you. You have got to go to where they are and attract their attention. This could be Facebook groups. This could be events. This could be networking groups. It can be running ads. But you have got to get to where your audience is. I see too many aspiring authors and published authors Adopt the posture that they are waiting for someone to discover them. It's not a good strategy. You've got to go to where they are. You've got to attract their attention. And then you need to continue to attract their attention so that you stay on their radar. Just think of this very simple example. When you're sitting down and you're watching a television show, what do you see happen when you're watching regular TV, not Netflix? Because Netflix is really cool because it takes this out. 
But if you're watching regular network television, what happens at every few minute interval? So a show was 30 minutes, but by the time you really look at it, you maybe saw 20 minutes of the actual show. There's commercials, right? So think about it from this standpoint. Your customer, your ideal reader, is seeing other people that speak about the topic that you talk about all the time. If they've gone and searched for something on Amazon, if they've gone and searched for something on Google, have you ever noticed that once you search for something and you go back on Facebook, you start seeing stuff that relates to what you searched? Those systems are really, really smart. So you're going to see stuff that customer is going to see other stuff that supposedly meets the need that your product or service needs. There is competition. There are other people that are competing for that same customer. If you are not going out there to get them, other people are going to win simply because they're more visible, because their ad is being shown, because they are active in the Facebook group and they are consistent. Because they are getting on the podcast and they, they're like, wait a minute, I just saw a Facebook ad. Now I see that they're on this podcast. And oh, and wow, there's a YouTube video. It's being where your audience is so that you create this effect where you're kind of pulling them off of the market, if you will. Because there are other people that are trying to get this reader's attention. You need to make sure that you are staying top of mind for them which means you need to create familiarity. Number two, be relevant. Know the problem that your book solves. You've heard us talk about this over and over again, so I won't belabor this, but you've got to know it because if you don't know it, you will not be able to talk about it in a way that resonates with your reader. You've got to do this in a way that intrigues them, and it's twofold. Yes, to learn about your book, but also to learn about you because you are building a personal brand, right? You are building a personal brand. So they need to buy into you just as much as they buy into the book. So intrigue them to follow you. Next, the E, the first E, emotional connection. People buy based on emotion. You need to be able to tap into the emotions of your ideal audience. You can't write just any old copy and expect it to connect with them. You have to be able to tap into emotion. Now, when the book is a stepping stone and it's not the end-all, be-all, you don't have to be super, super like an expert at marketing, but you do have to invest your time to get proficient at it. If selling books is going to be your primary means of generating income, you need to become an expert at this because this is where you are expecting to generate your income from. So you really got to be able to dial into the emotions of your reader and tug at them in such a way that they are ready to take action, right? This also means market research. Please, please, please do not go based on your gut and what you think they want. Ask them, find out what they want, validate your assumptions before you go off on that path and make sure that you connect on multiple levels and the goal initially is to get them to join your tribe, not necessarily to buy your book. Now, what I mean by that is you want them to buy into you and your philosophy, to want to follow you on Facebook, for example, to join the Facebook group that you have created. Those are strategies. 
to subscribe to your podcast, that is the first step that you actually want them to take. We would love to believe that people hear about our book the first time and then they're ready to buy it, but that's just the reality. And let me prove it for, for an example. When you bought your last car, the last car that you bought, what was your process for buying the car? Did you just go out to the car lot and just immediately buy the car, or did you do research first? And some people do do that, so I'm not saying that that's not a possibility, and some people will see your book for the first time and they'll choose to buy it. But tell me, honestly, did you research first? I will tell you, I bought a car earlier this year because my car died on me. After 10 years, my car died. And so I was bummed about the car dying, but I was also bummed about the work that it was now going to create because then I had to figure out, okay, what kind of car do I really want? Then my mom said, Tam, you really should look at Consumer Reports because you don't want to buy lemon. So then I, after I had identified my cars, I'm going to Consumer Reports, I'm trying to figure out which one I want, right? And then once I figure out, okay, what kind of car I want, then I got to look and see what's available. Okay, research, CarGuru, CarMax. So you're, you're looking at all this stuff, right? And all this happened. I needed a car right away, but <laughs> I ended up not. I ended up renting a car and doing lifts and all this kind of stuff initially because it took me so long to research and really figure out what I wanted. Your customer is the same way. They're going to need time to research. They're researching you, and they're researching this book that you say. So here's what we cannot do, and it's so easy to do. Because it's our stuff, we get so caught up in it and how awesome it is, and we forget that there is a process to buying. Most of the time, people don't just see it and fall in love with it and buy it. They have a process that they need to go through. So you need to get them to the next step. And then this is where the second E comes in, is you want to pull them through that process to get them to take the next step and the next step and the next step, right? So one of the things that I noticed, I don't know if any of you guys experienced this, once I started looking for cars, and I ended up getting my car from Carvana, and I never thought I would have bought a car online, but I'm a true fan. I'm a true fan of it. Now, I started getting emails. Hey, did you see this car? We just added new stuff, right? They didn't just want to leave me to my own devices for me to figure out when I was going to buy a car. They stayed in contact with me. They knew I was on their site because I was interested in a car, right? And it's no different if you go in and talk to someone at a dealership they want your name and your information because they want to call you back. You came in and you looked at cars. Hey, just wanted to see if I could answer any questions for you, if I could help you. I know you were looking to get a car. They don't just anticipate that it's all going to happen on that one day. They know that it's going to take time. You've got to do the same. So the dealer wants you to get in there and take a look at cars. Then they want you to take a test drive of the car because they want you to fall in love with the car while you're test driving. <laughs> then let's sit down, let's look at the numbers, let's see what we can do, right? Then the finance person is, right? There are stages to this. The same is true for you in marketing your book. You've got to acknowledge that there are stages and you've got to drive the customer through that process. So you have other things that support it. I call that ingenuity. So you have systems in place that take that person that has joined your tribe to the next step. 
Maybe it's a webinar. Maybe it's a five-day workshop. It's something that you're using. So now that they're interested, there's something that you are using to show them what the next step is with you and how you can help them create the transformation that they're looking for, the reason that they started looking for the book in the first place. One of the best ways to do that, I know that people think it's outdated, but the statistics show that it's still relevant, is email. Social media, as powerful as it is, there's so much going on on social media. People do still check their emails. Do they read every email? No, they don't. But also keep in mind that if Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you use disappears tomorrow, you have no way of contacting those people. You want a secondary method to be able to grow that relationship, and email is one of the primary ways that you do that. So you can create something called a lead magnet, and all a lead magnet is is something that you offer that is of value to your reader but doesn't cost them anything but their email address. Right, so you are putting value out there. They're giving you their email address, and you're providing value at it, not all sales. You're providing value-added content for them that shows them that you are the answer to their question and the solutions to your problems. And if you continue to nurture that relationship, you will see sales because you've proven yourself to them. That's the other piece of it. As tough as it is for us to accept, when people don't know us, they don't know how qualified we are on something. We have to demonstrate our expertise. So through that communication process and working with them, then you continue to prove that you actually know what you're doing. All right, number four, write a sellable story. So I know it probably seems weird that I have writing the book as number four, and truthfully, this is an ongoing process, but many times we spend all the time here and we haven't spent the time to figure out what our brand is gonna be, we haven't nailed our niche, and we haven't started to build an audience. So then we spring the book on people and then we're disappointed with the sales. Make sure that you take advantage of this and you go through all of the steps. If you're relaunching, if you've already done your book, you got to go back and you've got to do these steps to make sure that you're successful. All right, so write a sellable story. Focus on the main problem you are solving, the key lesson you want the reader to take away, and what the reader can achieve by listening to your advice. Make sure that your book speaks to the specific needs of your niche as identified by market research, not by what you think, but by market research, and clearly communicate why you are the person that has the answer to their questions and solutions to their problems. Quick point here. I get a lot of books. I get a lot of people that send me their books, and they truly believe that they are doing this, but they are not. You've got to make sure that you have checked these boxes because you don't want them to just buy your book, you actually want them to read it. And the way that you organize that book impacts how well they read. And especially if you're going down that high impact path, you want them to take the next step with you. So the book is really important in convincing them and communicating to them that you can help them. So make sure that it's written in a way that's going to do that. Number five, start planning your launch. While you are writing the book, continuing to build your audience, you need to set a launch date. When am I going to release this book to the public? Create your happy list. That group of 100 people that you know would be excited about your book. You don't have 100 people, you need to get busy 
generating a, a list of 100 people that you could invite to your launch because not everyone that you invite is actually going to come. How long in advance should a person set up the social media accounts before the book is that there is no such thing as too early? No such thing as too early. I would say at minimum three months prior to, at minimum. But 12 months ahead of time, it's, because remember, it takes people time to get on board with you and your philosophy and know that you are an expert. And all that's going to happen if you do it early is that you're going to have more followers. And there's never a downside to having more followers. So ASAP, as soon as you can. Set your launch date. Create your happy list. If you don't have 100 people that you know that you can invite to your launch, get busy building that network. Ask some of those people to serve as members of your launch team to help you get the word out when your book is released. Start planting the seeds on social with your happy list. And if you follow my advice, with your email list, letting them know my book is coming, you should be dripping it. It's just like, uh, let me give you another, I like to give practical examples. When we used to go to the movies, I know that we can't go to the movies right now, right, because things are crazy. But when we used to go to the movies, what would happen for the first 15 minutes before the movie started? Trailer. The movie is not coming out till next year. But what are these big movie companies doing? They know that you're in there. You're coming to watch a movie. They're going to talk to you about that movie that's coming. They want you to know about it. They want to get you hyped for the movie that's coming six months. Sometimes I've been in the movie theater, and the movie's not even coming out for a year, and they're showing me a trailer. It's never too early. Start planting the seed, getting people excited about what you're doing. Create a book landing page. That's a place that people can go to learn more about your book. And that's really where you want to send family and friends because Amazon also has some things built into it in terms of who it shows your information to. And family and friends, if they're just doing it to support you and they're not your ideal audience, you don't want Amazon basing its logarithms off of them. So you want to send them to your landing page to uh, pre-order your book rather than Amazon. And get early reviewers using what we call ARC's author review copies. Have people standing by ready to write a review on your book. And get their review in advance so that you can put it on your landing page you can put it in social media. So it's not just you talking about how great your book is, but you have some people that have actually read it and they believe it's awesome too. And then the last piece is execute your marketing plan. So we talked about creating your pre-order promo. Start accepting orders 30 to 45 days in advance of your book actually being released. Host a launch party in person or virtual, right? So you pick that date in the earlier step and you're talking about it leading up to it, getting people excited. For those of you that are my Facebook friends and you were following leading up to the podcast launch that I did on August 31st, I was constantly dripping little pieces of it leading up to the launch because I didn't want it to be the first time they heard about it because I knew that being able to get people excited and engaged about it wouldn't work as well if I waited to the last minute. So you're dripping that information to get them excited. Put your sales on autopilot with Amazon ads. So the launch is important, but for consistency of sales and taking a lot of the stress off of you of marketing, you want to use ads. And then continue to build your audience by posting various strategic content on your social media accounts that show various sides of you. 
So one of the mistakes that I see people make when they write a book is that a lot of their content is generated towards the actual book and trying to sell it, right? But what people do is they buy into people more so than they buy into products. So you need to be able to have a social media strategy for how you show up on social media and you connect with the audience that you want to reach. And this is true for email. If you have a blog, you've got to have a strategy for that because you tend to have a lot of momentum at the beginning of your launch. But in order to maintain momentum and continue to generate sales, and for those of you that are going to use this as a platform for speaking, coaching, and consulting, you have to continue to grow your audience so that you have more people that would be interested in those next steps. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Publishing Secrets where our mission is to encourage and inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. In order to stay up to date on our episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you will be notified. And if this episode has been a blessing to you, do me a favor, rate and review. Until next time, God bless.